Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, where you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in. Because Big Mike has got the life starting now. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. I'm the Big Mike. Mike Zlatnik. And today it is my pl- pleasure and a privilege to welcome my old friend, Corey Peterson. Hi, Corey. What's going on, Mike? Corey is known as, I call him Big Kahuna. He's, he runs Kahuna Investments and he is a uh, distinguished gentleman. He's done a lot of investing in multifamily. He's got a, he runs a multifamily empire. He has uh, been a guest on uh, multiple uh, channels on Fox, ABC, CBS, NBC. He was a uh, guest and speaker at, at Harvard University as well as NASDAQ. He's written multiple books as well as he has a podcast called Multifamily Legacy Podcast. So I am honored and humbled to have you here. Thank you, Corey. And what's new in the world of Bikahuna? Man, it is, uh, it's crazy. Uh, right now is a crazy time. There's lots of change going on in the marketplace and um, we are adapting to, uh, you know, some of the conditions, which is, you know, the higher interest rates. And, um, you know, overall, um, we've weathered the storm, right? Things are changing. But the the great thing about this business is that you have options. And I think, and the levers where, you know, traditionally in the stock market, Mike, no one has any levers. They have no options, right? You get what you get. And uh, with this thing called real estate, we have a lot more flexibility. And um, so we are flexing right now. We're, 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 we're pivoting because the market has shifted. And so we have to shift with it. I think that's the status quo is staying ahead of the shift. Yeah, and I appreciate you bringing it up. It's on everybody's mind. The reality is these rapidly risen interest rates have drastically uh shift in the environment and we're dealing yeah. with this very painful reality so let, let's but the are still there though mike right and, and that's one thing i always like even though we had we've had some uh you know it's not that the interest rates went up it's that they went up so violently that that's what caused things to break we could handle it if it was just slower and steady i think that's <clears throat> as operators were very normal that's a normal course of what goes on but it was the violent uh, you know, acceleration of the raise um, with that. And that creates, that breaks things, right? And so- uh, I, have, I have a term for it. Just like in, like, just like the movie, the interest, rate, or interest rates went up too fast and too furious. Yes, fast and furious. And so when that happens, Mike, it's like all hands on deck. And um, so just- for complete, like, I'm going to give it to you real. Can I give it to you guys real? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know any other way to that. do this, these types of podcasts, except to talk about my own business and um, and share the good, bad, and the ugly. Um, so fundamentally, though, there's still a demand for housing. Like, that's not changed, right? It's just the environment and the we're, we're playing. So values have changed. Operational efficiency has changed. And so everything that you currently had you have to now tighten the belt, right? And so to me, that's that's what we've had to do internally is because um, even though we have lots of our properties have rate gaps because we had the same types of loans <clears throat> that everybody else was doing, which was bridge loans. Three years ago, we were all doing bridge loans. 
and right. I've got a lot of bridge. Um, now, most of those bridge have cap locks, right? Cap rate locks. Um, and so, but, you know, you were at 4% and now you're at 5.75, which is your rate cap. Um, and so the rate caps, even though on those bridge loans, the rates are like 8.75, almost 9% on some, uh, I'm still capped at 5.75, which is good. Um, we bought those rate caps initially for 40 grand. They've paid out really well. There's a caveat though, that those the rates are going, rate caps are going to run out one day. And knowing that date and time is critical. And then also understanding what you got to do to either put on, bring on new debt, right? To get into a fixed rate um, or get yourself to operational efficiency, um, so you can be able to, to, to be able to get to that place to get new debt. That's been the challenge, right? I think, and that's what, where I see a lot of operators now are really having the challenge and we did too. And so the thing that we've done this year that I said, I would never do it, Mike, I said, I would never manage properties. I would never be in the property management business. And I feel like it's the Godfather story, Mike. As soon as I got out, they pulled me back in, right? Right. Um, so we vertically integrated this year. We we took all um, property management in-house and developed our own accounting staff, our team. It was it was a lot of work to do it because we want to do it properly. And the good news is we were we've got a big enough portfolio that we can afford to do it. We can afford to hire all the people. And but here's what we found is we found that we became much more efficient, much, much more efficient. And the only reason for that is we watch the money, right? Third-party property management companies, uh, God love them, but they do not have a vested interest as you, the owner operator. And because they get paid regardless, you know, just based on collections, they collect this much money, they're going to get their, their percentage or fee. And, and then they'll figure out ways to charge you back for every little thing they do. And those those expenses add up, Mike. They just do. And so when we pulled back the layers and we brought it in-house, we realized that, like, we don't need that. We don't need this. This is inefficient. There's, you know, we started looking at ways, like, let's change the phone. Do we, um, we're on some properties, and this sounds like not a big thing, but these are places to find money. We're spending on one property. It was like $350 a month for phones, telephones. I'm like, why are we spending $350 a month on a stupid commercial line? Let's go get Ring Central. Right? And so we did that. And now we pay like $150 uh, a month instead of, you know, we saved 50%. Now, not a big deal, but you start finding those little values all throughout all your stuff, and um, it starts making a huge impact. And I think operational efficiency is the way we win in 2023, is to be lean and, and mean. Lean and mean. I appreciate that. That's a great um uh great coined term but let me dive into everything you said you said a lot of very interesting things and they're all very applicable and very very true in this environment so uh first of all most of the 
value add multifamily operators, and they're not just multifamily other asset classes, for these properties with bridge loans. So the, the problem is not unique to you. It's it's, it's actually industry-wide. In fact, probably 95% of all these value add loans, variable rate loans with rate caps. And uh, you're sitting a lot, not just you, a lot of investors are sitting on time bombs when these rate caps expire because you go from 4% rate to 9%. You could manage rate cap at 575 that's you could most folks can survive, but most folks cannot survive rates going to nine percent. It's gonna be very, very tough, at least you know, for, for for maybe a short amount of time. Yep. The other comment that you made, which makes a lot of sense, it's the race right now to stabilization. So it's you have to execute way, way better, way sharper to get the property to complete the value add plan and, and to be able to refinance uh the property into Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac agency that uh, so all the stuff you said makes a lot of sense. And then a lot of operators discovered exactly what you discovered, where uh, there's a third-party property management, they do a terrible job. And especially if they're not in the same city and you're not paying enough attention, uh, that property management business got a whole lot harder. So what I wanted to dive in a couple of things. One, um, where are most of your properties? Uh, I, I, do you have concentration in certain cities? And are you developing? Um, are you developing? Unfortunately, right. So we have we have properties. Uh, we do a lot of student housing. So we're in seventy percent of my portfolio is student living, right? Where we we butt up next to colleges and we rent by the bed, right? So I feel like I got hit with a one-two punch. I got hit with COVID, right? Because when people didn't go to school, they didn't go to stay in the properties. And then coupled with the right cross was uh, high interest rates. Now, luckily, on most of my student homes, we put long-term debt on, right? Um, we didn't do much value add, big uh, projects like that. But but I still had two. I have, I have two that we, we have like that. And um, so, unfortunately, I don't have – I can't scale that way, but we still can um, – but we still have to be efficient, right? And so the property management piece for that is then utilizing online technology such as Zoom, um, conferencing, um, Slack, right? Communication styles. Um, we have created much more centric uh, internal talking. So the biggest challenge on the way we have operated in the past, or at least with different property management, is every property was on an island, I mean, I would go there like, I get no support. I get no support, right? And we're like, God, why why can't even these property management companies figure this out? So the first thing that we did when we took over integration and property management was to get everybody on Slack. And Slack's not new. It's it's old. Probably most people do Microsoft Teams now, but we're I'm still stuck in my old school ways. So I like Slack. But uh but created channels for all my team members and property managers to communicate because if one's having a problem, they probably all have the same problem. Right. right. And sharing ideas and um, believe it or not, property management is the people business. That's really what we do. Now the primary focus is leasing and collections. If we can do those two things, we, we win, right. Lease the property up, collect all the money. Seems simple, but it's a lot harder in reality. Okay, but um, having a team and people. So we've learned that if we invest in people and teach them and train them, and more importantly, the first thing that we did, Mike, is when we 
we took over. We brought all the property managers here to Phoenix, to my corporate, and I instilled culture. We talked about who we are, what we are, how we're going to do it, how we're going to be different, how we're all a team. And then I set out and I went and we did some fun team building exercise. We actually got in my Jeeps. We went rock crawling. We scared the living crap out of everybody. Um, but we we built a team, a nucleus. And by doing that, we were able to go back to our properties. And now everybody was talking. Right. And that made uh, execution of new projects and plans so much more efficient and so much more effective. Yeah, I appreciate uh, great wisdom. Uh, you you uh, you certainly have done a great service by installing the right culture and and making sure you have good people. Uh, there's a good book that uh, I'm sure you you've heard of it and you've read called Theo Does uh, Only Three Things by Trey Taylor. Uh, people, uh, culture, and numbers, and uh, you you covered two elements here. You cover you covered getting good people and, and getting the right culture and providing the right standardization and systems and processes for them to operate but it is property management is always harder uh than it it looks it, it's it's <laughs> in the past few years it was assumed uh, it was just going to happen unfortunately as things got a lot harder to execute you don't have a choice if you don't do it these projects can't succeed so at the end yeah. of the day it's all about it's about capital capital improvements the capex dollars right spending your dollars and doing the actual work to renovate um, you almost have to have an internal construction management component to your to your uh, property management side. That that's what we're doing now is we're building out that piece too because we've had uh, third party property construction management companies help us, um, and I feel like I get the same process with that. So that's our next uh, efficiency lever that we're going to pull. Is um, I won't say that we'll create a. a a construction management company, but we will definitely get way more involved in higher staff uh, to start taking on the next big projects that we have. Um, we will have an internal team to handle that and to manage that to be, again, more efficient, to eliminate waste. Because when you think about waste, like it, it can be really rampant. You know, if you're buying um, different, you know, you can buy the same, same, you know, uh, toilet, right? Uh, five different properties buy a different toilet they you need a toilet but what's the right toilet to buy you know and toilet prices can be you know they they there's a a big range in high price value lowest price what is the right one and you know it seems seems like that's not a big thing but like again these are understanding the efficiency of making sure everybody's playing from the same playbook that we have the same um systems is truly what makes op that's when i when i talk about operational excellence that's what we talk about right is making sure those little things those are the big things yeah Corey, i agree with you 100 uh, percent we, we do business with other operators who are vertically integrated large operators and that's what they do i mean you, you gotta have vertical integration which includes construction management obviously your own crews property management which is both uh obviously leasing uh accounting um obviously solving whatever maintenance issues. And then um, uh, all of this has to be vertically integrated. And even though you're not all in the same markets, but if, 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 whatever economy of scale you can achieve, you must achieve without it. The, the, the game becomes very difficult. And then supplies, like you mentioned, 
buying supplies, can you buy supplies in scale? Can you buy can you, can uh, you buy a bulk? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Can you where do you store it? You know, where do you put it? Right. All these things, uh, they're all factors that that just lead to um, you know, a, a bigger picture. And again, I think these are the things that operators have to really be paying attention to in 2023, where we're at today. All these things that we're talking about right now, Mike, they matter. They really do matter because uh, this is, we are not immune to any of this as well. Like we've, you know, this year we had our first capital call, right? And um, that was not fund. It, it was, it was horrible, right? And that used to be the death of a syndicator, by the way, right? Capital call would be like, you get blacklisted. Now it's kind of like par for the course. Everybody has had one, I think that I know of. Um, and if they've not uh, said it publicly, they they have, they just don't want to say anything, right? I'm not hiding from our flaws because we're not perfect. Um, and this is where I talked about in, in the beginning when I opened, Mike, is that I used to be a financial advisor. And I remember 2009 when that market crashed, Mike, I remember people coming to my office. And I was like, it's the market. There was nothing I could do. I said, you know what? It is what it is. Sorry. Your, you know, $3 million is now 1.5. What do you want me to do? Right. And with real estate, uh, what I'm saying, what, what I realized back then is I had no control. There was no things that I could fix or adjust to try to right the ship. Right. It was just like, it's the market. Good luck. Let's hope and, and pray and wait until um, the next, the next, you know, upturn. And hopefully you're in the right fund and it'll work which most people at that point they say sell me out of that put me in cash which is their the, the worst decision for them and so but with real estate here we are um markets changed and so we've had to pivot yes we have to pause distributions on a lot of properties right now i think a lot of operators have paused or uh diminished or or reduced their normal payout why cash is king right now Having what's more important, getting a distribution or making sure you're solvent so the project doesn't fail, right? Because at the end of the day, this is and this is the hardest thing for I think for investors to grab a hold of. This is a short-term problem on a long-term deal. Most of our deals are five to seven years, and so this is a blimp in the current place. Do we think it's going to be forever? I don't believe it will be. Could it be the next year and a half? Probably, right? But, you know, we're having an election year coming next year. Tens, I see, you know, 10 on election year, everybody wants things to kind of start working again. And, um, you know, we'll see what the Fed does. But I think the money supply, or like the change in the Fed will start, uh, at least they've already, they, they've. I think they put a ceiling on it. And as we start to see that coming down, you're going to see lending coming back and, and we're going to see deals coming back again, right? That's my belief now, but that's a, I'm, I'm playing, I'm trying to play chess, right? And people are somewhat worried about checkers, like, oh, let's just make this one jump. And I'm like, no, 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 we got to look at the bigger picture. Our goal is just to get through this short-term period because we're trying to checkmate down the road and we got to get in the right position to be there. And so that means we have to operate correctly. Right. And I think that is the story. If I could send a, to most people out there, when you're listening to investments, this is what you're looking for in operators. 
is the ones that um, understand what they're trying to do and making sure they're making the right changes. And it may not always feel good, but that's usually the right move. If it doesn't, they're doing it for the right reasons and they have to be honest with the investor pool and not give them a bunch of fluff. Yeah. Yeah. I, first of thank you for sharing and everything you said makes, makes really good sense. I, I concur with you and the things you mentioned, the capital calls are not fun. Uh, the pro the projects that need liquidity uh, need um, typically cash can only come from a few sources. Capital calls one of them. Uh, two can be in the form of some kind of additional uh, bridge uh, bridge debt. And um, people have gone both routes. If they can't get the money in the form from investors in the form of um, capital call, they have to go to bridge debt or uh, fresh preferred equity. And uh, as the result, the um, uh, the projects if they if they don't raise cash, the projects fail. I mean, at the end yeah. of the day. This is a game of survival. So everything you said makes sense. Can you survive through the end of 2025? And that's the theory that uh, most deals that will per persevere and survive through the end of 25 will have a chance to survive. But I think it's not just the time exercise. It's the race to, it's a race against time uh, versus your rate cap expiration. So critically important to uh, understand when the time bomb is uh, out there, when, now, when you have expiring. If you can refi, you can survive with fixed rate Fannie Freddie, then you live until, you know, you live, live another day and then you wind up, the, the time will solve, take, will, will take care of all the issues. And most investors today will actually understand if you suspend distributions. That's a least yeah. of the problems. If you, if you just suspend distributions, that's half the problem. Most most of them are facing situation not only suspend distributions but also capital call and if they can't capital, capital call, yeah, call yeah, where both, else the money's yes. going to come from? Yeah, exactly. Or the revolutionary fresh capital. I mean, at the end of the day. Yep, yep. You're going to have to dilute now. So I'll give you an example. So here's two projects that we're, we're you've got right now, and I, and I know we're almost on, out of time. So, but like we had two rate caps on student housing properties that uh, what they you know. Normally, these bridge loans, they have a guaranteed minimum interest, right? So for us, and, and as the on this one deal that we have, the guaranteed minimum interest, because interest rates keep going up, so it, our, our, our guaranteed minimum interest keeps going up as well because they base it on today's rate versus what, you know, where it was a couple of months ago. But anyways, so we have, have two projects that, we have these cap rates. One is good till February of next year. And then the other one is till October of 24, which is a great one, right? But I get a daily, uh, not a daily, but like a, every three days, I get a valuation on these these rate caps and what they're valued at, right? And they're valued around $400,000, four to five. You can sell a rate cap. If, if you can refi the asset, <laughs> the rate cap becomes a, a, a valid contract you can sell for a good amount of cash. Yeah, so here's we are looking uh, in two and in, in August. So we have two these two refis, which we're going to be able to put together. Why we operated our business plan, right? We did increase the value, we increased our occupancy, we made our numbers better, right? In one case, much better, and the other one better enough to refi, right? And better enough just to refi and to fix that is a absolute win, right? Yeah. So. Because we will get into 5.7 rate right, right right now. The fixed rate is about 5.75 because it, it was almost five and a half. But uh, lately, the uh, 
uh, sulfur or whatever, it's up a little bit more than it, than it, it was. Hopefully, by the time we refire, that goes down a little bit, and that would be amazing. But even at 575, it's what we're in our rate cap lock for now, and that works for us, right? We can live and survive. Now, what will happen, though, is once we refi and get rid of that debt, then we can sell that instrument, the rate cap, for $400,000. Boom. Well, that's that's extra money. <laughs> We're going to put that in the forever uh, fund, right? Let's just keep that in cash reserves now. So now we have a, a little bit of cash extra reserves, which, which every property, I think, needs right now. Whatever we thought we had, we need to add more. Because it is a, agreed, survive to 25, right? Get down the road a little bit more. Um, the great thing with Freddie and Fannie is we sell supplementals. Um, if we can get those types of loans out there, like that's that's how you can have another exit for your capital that way, or eventually get to a place where we can sell the project uh, entirely, right? But um, what I didn't, so the, the, the caveat behind all this is, those rate caps that we bought for thirty or forty thousand dollars, some of them are worth half a million bucks, right? And so, if you can get to operational excellence where you can refi, when you find that permanent debt, um, that's a nice little golden parachute that you didn't really realize you had. And um, man, whew. Yeah, finding ways to win today is 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 the uh, that is what that we're, we're, we're tasked to do is find ways to win and again that's the levers that we have in real estate thankfully because i know yeah. when i was in a financial advisors i had no levers yeah and and everything you said makes a lot of sense and i appreciate you sharing it obviously rate cap is a liquid instrument you can you could trade for sure and you can get additional capital for the project by selling it um but then of the day it's a race to stabilization i mean at this point uh there's just no no higher priority uh than operating these properties well and get them to full stabilization you can you can refi with the agency debt so and and yes you you have a few controls uh, but without good execution not of yeah. not of this connection you not of gotta have the operational piece that is the foundation of it all right no bank's gonna lend to something that's 80 percent with you know delinquency right or, or like you have to have it's basics right these are back to the basics but you've got to button up all your rehab so one of the things we did on one project right just another quick deal is we were in doing lots of rehab and we finally said hold on because there was too much of a delta between doing rehab getting people moved in and moved out and right now we just need to be we need all the money so we're like pause rehab for a bit let's fill up the property let's get to 97 95 percent and then let's turn back on rehab a little bit, right? Just like, let's do a couple units. We've got to keep, we can't go to 80% um, vacancy with all the rehab units because we can't afford to anymore, right? Like you've got to be so tight. And so that's the name of the game is, okay, we don't need that Delta anymore. We used to, you could get away with that. Right now is not the time to get away with that. It's the time to be very, very sound and methodical about what rehab, what projects you're doing, and how quickly you turn. It's about efficiency. And again, Mike, that's you said it, and it is that is it. You've got to maximize operational efficiency. If you do that, you can uh, find ways to place new debt. It's still expensive. Um, the silver lining, though, is on the buy side, Mike. When you talk about that, 
is if we're buying new projects, people look, there's still a lot of people that have to sell. Lots of people, and this is happening right now, right before our eyes, cap rates are coming due, these rate caps. And there's no, to get a new one that the loans require is a million dollars. No one's going to put a million dollars to buy that cap rate. They're going to sell. They're going to have to sell. And they'll sell just to get out all their capital to break even. So I guarantee there's going to be some projects that you can pick up because the sellers are forced to make a decision because they didn't hit their business plan effectively. And now it's about just getting, preserving their principle is all they're trying to do. They're not even trying to make a profit. And you can pick up a project like that. And those are the projects that we're looking to buy. Yeah, I agree with you. So everything you said before was about survival. <laughs> and now you're you're going into an opportunistic thrival mode. So how to thrive in this environment. And that's all about getting great deals from distressed Understanding, sellers. yeah, when do you buy? You buy when the blood's in the street, right? So I got to protect what I currently have. Like, like a bear, I'm, I'm very much, anything we own currently, operational efficiency, right? Um, but then I've also got to understand, when do I make the most value on the buy? Is it time to buy? Feels like it's starting to be a pretty good time. If I can get it now and it makes sense with the current rates and rates go down, I get a bonus at the end. Because I'm not, I'm not going to put that in my underwriting. I'm going to act like it's not there. But if it happens, good for me. Corey, I concur with you 100%. I, I've been saying this uh, the same way you're saying this. The opportunity to buy real estate is when the rates are high. And the rates are high on a cyclical basis. So whatever the Fed does and in another quarter or, or two increase, which is almost uh, this point in immaterial, uh, they've, they've already done all the damage. And the opportunity, the damage pressure is coming from the time bombs that 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 mature and and folks need to need to sell if they, or buy a new rate cap or they they you know the project goes into a default. So exactly, are you seeing investors? This is this isn't this is a kind of a follow up question. So great opportunities are coming to buy now if you can get a distressed seller, right? Distressed seller, quality asset, they have to uh, exit. Otherwise, they, they just the, the project is going to go into technical default. Now, fresh capital, that's the, the challenge is a lot of investors are not getting exits the way that we're getting exits before. So now the, there's a shortage of capital to be put in new deals because the old deals are not exiting or if they're exiting, investors are just happy to get their money out and they're, they some, some are going to leave the, the space for a while just because they, they thought it was easy money for a while and now they, making money business in real estate's got somewhat harder. Yes. So fresh capital, are you seeing fresh capital flowing? Investors are kind of now, and saying, Corey, I'm ready to go. Fundamentally, yeah. Mike, this is where I differ than most indicators out there. I do not raise money from smart institutional investors. Okay. I raise money because I was trained, uh, you know, classically as a financial advisor. I get money from people that are, have money in the stock market and they're getting bloodbaths in the stock market as well, right? So uh, most of my investor pool, they still want more options. And so they look at me as um, it's a little different. Now, is it great? Is it, it's, it's still, it's a little bit more work, Mike. Right now, it's, a, it's more work 
to talk to them and understand it. But I think fundamentally people will say, Hey, things are not great. And so you, you, you walk them through that. The ones that are, that have been in the stock market that are coming fresh into a syndication, they know they don't have those battle scars. Right. And so I find that though they're more apt to deploy capital. Um, and then with your existing pool, Yes, that is, they are slow now to, to deploy, right? Um, and and quite frankly, we're looking at different asset classes too, right? Um, it's like, who's moved my cheese? Um, we're also looking at self-storage right now. Self-storage has been pretty resilient in down down markets, right? So and now we've, we've, now we have, and I think that's, investors now want a, more, they want to be spread out in more different asset classes. It used to be, Yep, I just want apartments. That works. It works for me. I know it's a basic need. It works. And fundamentally, that's still great, great opportunity. But like, I've got some friends that are doing a car wash model, right? They're doing, um, you know, the express car wash. Um, I've got other guys that are doing self-storage. We're looking to add some self-storage to our portfolio. And, and honestly, kind of give our investors a couple different blends. So they're not just in one asset class in one market. Um, to have a little bit of flexibility. I think um, at the end of the day, they the right ones want flexibility. They want to be in a little bit more diversified projects. Um, but at, what I think is the most important is they look at the operator, right? The operator and being able to tell these stories and have them call your investors and say, this is what's going on. Now, at about three years from now, when I come out of this thing and I sell some of my the ones that we have exits for, I'm going to be a fanboy. I'm going to post all the stuff, right? And be like, here's the challenge that we went through and we exited. To me, those that those are going to be the stories that I'll hold on to because that's going to be the stories every investor is going to want to hear. Yeah, perseverance. Now uh it's a game of the of the fittest, of the of the strongest and the smartest and uh those who, who work the hardest now and yes uh this work will in theory produce the results a few years from now where you can tell the story look back and say we survived and now we 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 are thriving and um what you just said i mean i've been i've been saying this for a long time when we run as you may know family of diversified funds and during the days when market was great everything was going up uh, people took risks and they felt great about it and our funds looked kind of boring. Now, the funny thing you said, having a diversified portfolio is, is much more critical in a market that's uh, that shows signs of, of, of instability, signs of risk, signs of diversification as a way to mitigate risk. So Amen. everything you said has been music to my ears because we've run this model for a long time and having diversified strategy makes a lot of sense because you just don't know what's going to get hit and what, what's going to be a home run and what's going to be a, a strikeout. So uh, I appreciate you sharing this because I agree with you. It's it's kind of funny if you if you go through the real estate cycles and then there are four cycles uh, in, for every asset class and it's uh, uh, recovery after recession, expansion, then hyper supply and then uh, uh, recession, right? Um, we are sort of doing the hyper supply. We, we've entered effectively hyper supply for most asset classes, including multifamily. Uh, and we in hyper supply, one of the key things that you observe is higher rising interest rates, which we've, we've seen, 
And two, you see diversification. People have to diversify to protect themselves against a down market. So that's that's been yeah, I appreciate the sharing. It's it's the same very very same thoughts here. Fundamentally, uh, that's what we look at as as we are getting better and better at our our craft. Right, we've realized we can't be just the one trick pony. We need to have options, and I think investors want that more so than than ever, and that's rightfully so because when uh, the tide goes out, like it has, you realize who's naked, right? And you do not want to be that person. You want to make sure that uh, we're doing our best to to survive and thrive, to make the, the pivots that are needed. And then um, again, uh, but it's still a wonderful business, Mike. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I love, I love what we do. I love uh, working with investors and that whole process because what other choices do they really have? The stock market where no one cares or people that are like us that are really constantly worried about this stuff and watching it. Um, I guarantee we we think about it a lot harder than a lot of people that I know. And um, to me, that's that's why we're successful. Yeah, I appreciate it, Corey. I concur with you. Of course, uh, the stock market has no you know limited predictability. Real estate does, but real estate is not immune to cycles and a lot of investors uh, in the last few years just got accustomed to perfection. And then unfortunately, uh, market from time to time does what it does. And these cycles come in and we're experiencing the cycle. And for those who have long-term perspective, they'll they'll be just fine. And real estate, like you said, is really a long game. It is so most long of the real estate is a long-term play. Whoever thinks it's short-term, uh, they are either mistaken or there's certain sort of invest investments, right? But most of the investments are really, especially equity, is fundamental long-term. And uh, if these assets are managed well, uh, they can do well on a long-term yeah, basis. Yeah, they'll, they'll thrive when it comes back around, right? And that's the whole point, right? And uh, it's it's important not to lose focus and to educate the investors on what that focus is. And I think that's what we got to try to do as uh, you know managers of our syndications and uh, your funds is to you know lead by example let them know that you know rum's not burning yeah we're we're taking some hits but we've not you know we may have lost the battle but we're not lost the war and we're setting ourselves up to ultimately uh you know prosper and um i think that's the difference uh between uh, you know you you and your fund and and your guys' strengths and what you look out for at the end of the day you're really trying to 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 provide value confidence and uh, you know and a return that most investors want need yeah Corey, i appreciate you sharing it a lot of great nuggets a lot of wisdom uh and uh, and thank you for being very uh open uh it, it's not may not be a very comfortable conversation to be able to hide uh in the closet but those who uh are open communicate well uh do the right things for investors these are the folks that'll survive and succeed in the long run so thank you for your for your honesty and for your openness so appreciate you coming on the podcast before we're done uh how would folks get a hold of you if they want to reach out kahunainvestments.com any other website yeah well actually i'll, I'll give them a, i've got a book that they can get it's called copy your way to success standing on the shoulders of giants if they'll text the word book b o o k to 480-500-1127. Uh, my team will ship them a book for free. So uh, that and then uh, Multifamily Legacy Podcast is a great place to learn about uh, the power of apartment investing and what we do there. Thank you, Corey. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate your wisdom. And um, yeah, good luck. 
Hey, good Thanks, luck for us during yeah. the, uh, the next couple of years. It's, it's... Hey, man, it's it's. Uh, I'm excited, and I'm I'm, I'm really uh, the opportunity is what I look for, right? I try and you know, we all have assets we got to protect, but uh, I also learned that it's looking for the future that really matters, right? And so understanding where we're at, and we're in a great spot. Yeah, I concur with you on the final note that the forward return opportunity on fresh money is significantly better than in the last couple of years. Because last Amen. couple of years, let's just call them pico the market and you can c- come in and into distress sale at the right price with high interest rates. You have nothing but the upside for when Amen. the rates cycle back down. So there we go. Thank All you. All right, man. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fun Book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike's slot name. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.